and welcome to this series, Who Cares? We are a collaboration between four students from the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, otherwise known as Bandabas Theatre Collective, and Camden Carers, a service for improving the quality of life, health and well-being for all carers in the borough of Camden. With the help of Claudia, Chris, Mechlid, Bernie, Fanula and Jackie, we have compiled a series of episodes, each using their creative content and curated by us to hopefully celebrate the fact that there is no single story when it comes to carers. Each person being a unique creative in their own right, with the only single narrative applicable being that each one of these fantastic persons is brimming to the top as an inspiration of love. Each day for the seven days of this Carers Week, we will release another specially made episode, each one focusing on one person we worked with for this project. For episode six, we have a special episode where our own Bandabast member, Samira, talks about her experience as a person being cared for and speaks honestly with the persons caring for her, her parents. In this first episode, we visit Chris. Due to being so busy at the moment with caring responsibilities, COVID, working and a child, Chris was far too busy to get 100% involved. She did, however, kindly point us to her blog, frictionfilms.net, and I must say, I spent a very large amount of my morning reading the posts there. One that particularly caught my eye was entitled, My Practice. This post was written during COVID-19 and resonated so strongly with me on a personal level. How can we be creative, productive, insightful? How can we create at this time when the world is grinding to a halt? When we are all mourning for our collective energies and experiencing the global grief of life as we know it, possibly ending. Alas, for many carers, this isolating world we are now experiencing is not a new phenomenon, and yet they manage to move through it with love. As a collective, they are already one step ahead and yet still not given the respect and reward they deserve. Here is a piece of Chris's story, just a piece of the jigsaw of a many-coloured life. about my practice at this time doesn't come easily. It feels out of place and so far away, almost unimaginable when I'm up to my neck in hands-on caring, domestic logistics and working out how to pay the bills and rent over the coming months. Like who am I kidding that there is anything more important than the well-being of my nearest and dearest and keeping house and home together? It's weird. Like there is actually a part of me pushing my practice away. Okay, I'm pushing through and promising myself to get somewhere today in this post. Like I mentioned a couple of days ago, I realised I hadn't written for 19 days. It really didn't feel like 19 days. 
Hands and head were so full that I had to get into a bubble at home to work out a more functional daily routine to get more work done. This work is really interesting, gender equality, so I'm familiar with some of these dynamics at least. And I know I have to resist and re-examine these feelings and somehow get out of the vicious circle. Initially, I wasn't writing because my practice didn't feel important. It was more that the daily routine didn't feel interesting enough to write about. I suspected that this was somehow significant, although the words never made it onto the page, i.e. that daily life of social exclusion, or whatever a better word is, is drudgery, repetition, not interesting, and somehow that's partly how it works. It grinds you down makes you feel uninteresting to others, builds up walls, keeps you isolated. So I can see how that could lead to feelings of even rejecting your own agency or practice, along lines of remembering there's another way, another you, makes the drudgery harder to bear. I read other women talk about the grief of lost work during confinement due to caring responsibilities. It kind of makes sense that you could also get to the point of wanting to push that grief away. I was pushing myself to write today because I need to get these thoughts down. It feels essential to integrate an intersexual dimension into my work. And if I can try and articulate these aspects of my experience, maybe I can be more empathetic and sensitive to others' experiences and knowledges too. There have been some good developments, some more paid work coming in, building connections to other carers and trying to tune into or build a better understanding of how these social dynamics work. Some lovely times with little one and older one as well. Some lovely little growing and flowering plants in our homes. So my practice. In the darkest times over these past weeks, Literally, the work of Joe Spence has kept me strong and my connection to my practice alive. I guess because her work and the creative collective she worked with very overtly and very strongly incorporated the female experience. Caring, drudgery, work, politics and art together, creativity in struggle and the collective coming together. And this body of work took place in London in the 1970s and 1980s which were the formative years and the place of my youth. My practice has this very visceral embodied side, a la Joe Spence. Combined with hugely transformative experiences I had in multi-scale networks and collectives from around the turn of the millennium, online and offline. In particular, when living in Spain, with the Indignados movements that emerged after the 2008 financial crisis, these movements combined face-to-face -face practices and cultures, public assemblies, local associations linked in networks and platforms, with similarly structured online networks, groupings and technologies. A very potent mix of the embodied and a range of digital sensations, tools, spaces, with a different kind of body, suggesting but not actually being immaterial. The constant use of digital space yielded a lot of large-scale data, which allow us to see the collective body and the collective intelligence through data visualizations. 
all of which was very visceral, as people's guts, hearts and minds were all out there, online and face to face. The idea of collective intelligence came out very strongly in the Indignado's experiences and broader techno-political international network. I've been researching this for some time and I feel the term collective intelligence is the most intuitive way to express a complexity of creative, analytical, active and distributed practices. For example, there are ideas like the hive mind of social media and the wisdom of the crowd seen in Wikipedia, which are already out there in daily life. Working from these most intuitive points, the first video piece in my collective intelligence project will be coming out soon, entitled La Colmina, Spanish for the Hive. So, my practice. I love all the techno-political work with data visualizations and big processes. But I guess my take on it will always bring me back to the micro-practices of how do we do it? What are the hands-on embodied practices to make collective intelligence happen? How the micro interrelates with the meso and the macro and vice versa? How can I as an individual work within a collective? How can we as a collective work within an even larger network? How do we do collective intelligence? Remembering the full body of practice, the culture, creativity, analysis, the data, policy, community, life and politics all together. Many thanks to poet and carer Cameron Houston for her help in this episode. We really hope you enjoyed listening. Tune in next time for part two. In the meantime, if you're still asking yourself that question, who cares? The answer is, we do. Till next time.